0: This is the Resilient Disciples podcast. I'm Ross, you know who you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Uh, I'm so glad you're here today. We are continuing a conversation uh, that is all about children's ministry in a new reality, which is both a research project and a labor of love between the Barna Group and Awana. Uh, I am joined by the president of the Barna Group, David Kinnaman, as well as the president and CEO of Awana, Matt Markins. Gentlemen, welcome back both of you. To the podcast. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks now, having me. most of most of the people who are listening and watching are definitely familiar, David, with your work. Uh, you know, not only are you the president of Barna Group, uh, but I want to set just a bit of expectation so people fully understand the scope. Because especially for people like me, if they hear leading research firm, they may go, "Okay, I'm out." right? I got one of those degrees that was a piece of paper. My wife really is really excited about school and I never want to go back, right? You've directed interviews with more than 2 million individuals. You've overseen thousands of U.S. global research studies. On a really big picture level, one of the things that I'm curious about with Children's Ministry and Into Reality, which is available now via the show notes, wherever you're listening and watching, what sets it apart? What makes this stand out to you?
1: Well, again, thanks for having me and Matt. It's been a pleasure to work with your team. And, uh, I'm really proud of the work that we've created in this new study, uh, children's ministry and a new reality. Um, you know, you've been sh- sh- showing the copy of that here for those that are watching. It's a, a beautiful book, uh report that kind of goes through a lot of our findings and um, you know, I think what what really sets it apart is so much of our work has been focused through um, almost 40 years of work here at Barna on adults. Uh, sometimes we'll reach down to teenagers, but in this case, we were interviewing you know children and their parents and children's ministry leaders. And uh, it's been uh, almost two decades since our company has looked at that age group. Um, <clears throat> when George Barna did this incredible book called uh, "Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions." And so so much has changed you know clearly in uh ministry to to younger generations and to children and the influence of screens and so i believe this uh, new report gives us a map to you know effective ministry uh in this new digital reality and um you know the answers aren't easy Uh, there's no secret formula uh but we do have you know some indications now of some of the pressure points and some of the issues and challenges facing uh, families, young people, and uh, the ministry leaders who who serve them. Absolutely,
0: there are folks who are listening who are probably surprised, even though they may have heard about this project or may have even heard you speak about the project directly, that Awana is even engaged in a project like this. You know, we're so lucky and privileged to have David Kinneman as part of the faculty of the Child Establishment Forum for 2022 but why are we doing this why are we making this partnership with Barna why are we having David speak at the forum what is the uh fruit that we see as an investment for this for our organization as a whole
2: I think I think people want to do a good job at what they do so whether you're a children's ministry leader or kids pastor a student pastor or, or a volunteer in a ministry like awana or your your Sunday children's ministry you're you're doing it because you want to do a good job you want to you want to reach kids with the gospel. You want to, you want to maybe teach them in Sunday school or in small group or in your ministry, and you want to see them grow in Jesus. And uh, we do this research because it's going to bring insight. You know, it's going to bring those aha. Oh, that's really helpful information, right? Like that, that information that's going to become insight. That's going to transfer into wisdom. That's going to convert into some level of changing what we do so we can do it better, right? All of us got into this because probably because maybe we saw the value in youth ministry or children's ministry, or uh, maybe we were involved on a volunteer basis and we we just caught the bug. Like we saw something very powerful happen that, that God did in the life of a child. And we said, I want to do more of this. And so Uh, we're doing this type of work because we want to help you. We want to help you become as most effective and fruitful as possible. So I'm going to circle back to that key word that, that I hear and read from the Barna group quite a bit, which is the word insight. If we can bring the best insight to the church, to leaders, volunteers, and parents, we can help you be as fruitful and faithful and as effective as possible at discipling your children and the students within your reach. Yeah. Well, and I
0: and that ins, that word insights sort of where I want to go next because David, I became uh, someone who's following your ministry on a regular basis through the Church Pulse weekly podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of people who are listening probably became familiar with your work through your book that came out in 2018, Faith for Exiles. And one of the things that stands out to me as what's unique about that is, and I would love to hear, you know, for folks who maybe haven't heard of this for you to be able to describe that for them. You have this book that comes out as sort of this wayfinder, right? This sort of mile marker in the sand of Faith for Exiles that comes out. And then you have this study that comes out not too long after, but of course, there's that big event that happens in the middle of that COVID-19 pandemic. I'm curious, you know, how you define the key takeaway from Faith for Exiles, how you define the key takeaways from this, and what has changed, what stayed the same through those two key um, deep projects and uh, huge labors that your team worked on?
1: Thanks well I feel uh th- thanks for for mentioning all that. I feel like my parents probably came aware of my ministry when I did this book called <laughs> Unchristian a few years ago. <laughs> uh they they were wondering what the heck I was doing until I actually published something. No sure. just kidding. Uh <clears throat> no I've had the privilege of working on a number of different projects and it's been uh more than 15 years of trying to study and understand uh, the, the journeys of emerging generations of, um, you know, for sociologists, it's m- millennials and Gen Z, um, you know, researchers just make up the idea of a generation. Uh, and, and actually it came from marketing because people needed the the specificity of spending money on a targeted basis to boomers. And sure, so it actually all started in the in the wake of World War II. Uh the idea of generational theory. Um, of course, the idea of generations has been around forever, but the the way we use it in the marketplace and in the church now is relatively new. And um I think the key the key takeaways for me over this last, you know, number of years is that you know, people don't change. God's nature doesn't change, but what does change is the context in which we work out our faith. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are different there are different seasons in scripture. Um, even Ecclesiastes said, there's a, a time to to plant and a time to harvest a time to build up and a time to tear down. So I'm a big believer that we, we have to understand what God is doing in our, in our times, you know, uh, uh, first Chronicles 1232, it says the tribe of Issachar understood the times and knew what to do. So just like Matt said, we're here, um, partnering up with Awana to try to help, um, ministry leaders, um, senior pastors too, right. It's not just the job for children's ministry, uh, professionals, but we actually need a more concerted effort, a more, a more intentional effort. Um, the, you know, I was telling a friend of mine uh, last week, it's like in years past, um, if you pretty much brought your kids to church, And, and, you know, as a family embodied many of these values and, and this like actually believed this stuff and really lived, lived out a a reality of God working in the world. Um, There was a pretty good chance that, you know, young people would sort of follow in the way, but the explosion of information and then the personalization now of, of content and we're doing ministry in the age of algorithms that um, find their way through the cracks of our, of, of all the things that we imagine are the sort of the, the, the defensive walls around our, our children. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, Google has become their sex educated, edu- sex educator and their best mm-hmm. friend and their, their counselor and their entertainment pal. And, and so the, the efforts of trying to help young people, you know, cling to the plausibility of faith. Um, it's, it is a much more difficult set of challenges than we have ever faced. And that then gets to some of the key takeaways from these, these two projects, um, faith for exiles, which was really about these five practices that seem to, de- to determine what a uh, resilient disciple looks like and, and how they, how, how we can best raise resilient disciples. And then, um, and then the work with Awana was really about the power of relationships and intentional relationships to help form young people that, that sort of stay with faith and that their faith lasts. And, um, again, it's, there's no magic formulas. Um, there's no shortcuts to it even, and especially now, um, it is, it is more challenging than ever of course we can have filters and we can have defense mechanisms and we can, you know, like monitor our kids screen use. And all those things are, 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 good and worthy efforts, but, but nothing stands in the place of having a young person actually understand and own and believe that this is a better way to live under the authority and rule and reign of a living, uh, a living God who cares about us at, a, at such a soul level and a personal level. So anyway, it's a, I think it's an exciting period of time for ministry today. Um, and and i get you know p- pretty um pretty excited about the opportunities that are going to g- come out of this these last two years um i felt like you, you had a lot of questions in one so i hope that this is a long answer that no, uh, it's good. a few things well i feel like i'm trying to I, this idea of the disruption the last two years to to finish that thought it's like all this was brewing and then and then covid hit and you know there were a lot of really positive things that come out of these last two years of disruption um but it sort of it it exacerbated, it put these 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 things on full display about um you know the the need for the church to have a, a better, not just for kids ministry, but for all of ministry, a better mindset of discipling, because you know, tens of millions of people just sort of disappeared. Um, right. And it wasn't because they just didn't like your online services; they just weren't that into the church in the first place. So right. we need, we need, we need to be a disciple-making church, and we need to be disciple-making children's ministry first and foremost. And I think this research, just again, doesn't have all the answers, but at least provides some pathway forward to, to that yeah. end.
0: Yeah. And Matt, I want to go to you next because Awana had a similar process where we came out with Resilient in 2019, but also our part of this book now coming out in 2022, and I'm curious for you, you know, David's talking about how important it is for this to be a whole church-wide effort. And if I'm a children's ministry leader listening to this, and we haven't really even gone into the particulars of the study. And again, I would encourage you to pick up your copy. Uh, You can check out the show notes um, where you can pick up uh, it directly. Uh, If you're driving, that's why it's there, because I don't want to have to read you a very long URL. But Matt, if you are a children's ministry who's listening to this, How am I to approach my senior leadership team or even my local, you know, those on my Kidman team directly about this data? Because I think there's a temptation to want to storm the hill, and I think there's a better, more uh, fruitful way to approach it.
2: Yeah, I love the title. I think we uh, worked really well with the Barna Group in choosing a a title that really paints a picture of what this data and the insights really about children's ministry and a new reality. So I I would wanna talk to my senior leader about the difference between teaching the Bible and a catechismic approach. You know, teaching the Bible is super important, right? But but a catechism creates a context. You're asking questions within the context of your culture. You're almost making a comparison. Here's what the world says. Here's what God's word says. Let me give a quick example. We just got back from vacation. We went to South Florida. We snuck down to the Keys one day to go snorkeling. I hadn't been to snorkeling in the Florida Keys since the 1990s. Uh, you've heard about this thing, coral bleaching. You know, I'm not as much of an environmentalist as I probably should be. But I went snorkeling last week. And was comparing it to my memory and the photos I have underwater photos of the 1990s, there's a stark difference uh, in the corals from 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And it's this whole concept of coral bleaching. Our our ocean waters are documented. They're, They're warmer than what they were 30 years ago, 50 years ago. And it's bleaching the coral, the environment of our water, has changed. This is factual. Uh, it may maybe throughout history, it goes up and goes down. But in this process of going up, it is bleaching the coral. So it, w- what's the point? Te- we teach the Bible. But if we don't teach the Bible in the context of the environment that we're living in, we're not acknowledging that the temperature of the water has risen. You know, a, a catechismic approach asks a question. It engages dialogue and it answers the question in context of the environment. It kind of kind of sets the narrative right in the in the context of where we're at. And so I think this research is super important because it's children's ministry in the new reality. The water temperatures have changed and that's changing the environment around us. So we need to we need we need real we need information for today. We need information that gives us insight for where things are going. So I think I would help my senior leader, not not that they need help, but I would find ways to engage Uh, the dialogue and conversation and make sure we're on the same page for, Hey, where are we today? What has changed over the last 30 years or even the last seven years? And what do we project the near future to be? And how should we be preparing today's children, today's 10 year old to thrive in their faith in the year 2050, which is going to be here before we know it. Yeah. Well said, David,
0: I'm curious because you do this every day, the ways in which people have accepted that data is destiny and the sense that you said earlier that this is an exciting time to do ministry and i think there's a way to read some of the data that's even in the context of this report and be overwhelmed and yet you're talking about this as an opportunity i'm curious how what are the ways where folks have taken data like this or from other studies and made really fruitful changes in their ministry
1: well, like Matt described a minute ago, um I think this data actually gives the the stark case for a different uh, mindset, a different level of resourcing uh, a, a different level of intentionality around children's ministry um you know, I grew up um under under the wonderful leadership of a of my dad who is a pastor of a, a large church in Phoenix and um I can remember, you know, kind of conversations with his peers around, you know, children's ministry and youth ministry, sort of like being, um, adjuncts of like getting parents to come to Sunday morning worship and sort of like, uh, you know, they were, they were kind of utilities that they, they, they were, they were meaningful and they were, you know, like there was never, never a sense that this was sort of second rate ministry, but there was a real sense like this is just a, a strategy to get the adults <laughs> to come. Sure. Um, and, and so I think, part of the benefit of these last two years is that you know there's not a pastor that I that I've talked to or that we've interviewed that would say hey everything was working just fine before during or you know such as it is after the pandemic <laughs> um i think this brings a real opportunity for us to say pastors leaders boards elders congregations um people of god let's look at the fact that the nature of our disciple making efforts to 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 our way of looking at it, our numbers is the only 10% of people that grow up with any kind of Christian experience become resilient disciples, um, and so we have a real case to to make that that how we structured this is not is not producing the kind of fruit and fruitfulness that we want.
3: Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.
1: Invest
0: in Resilient Child Discipleship this September 22nd and 23rd at the second annual Awana Child Discipleship Forum in Nashville or online. Awana President and CEO Matt Markins shares this message about the forum. Even in the midst of increased anxieties, there's tremendously hopeful news. Child Discipleship forms lasting faith, regardless of the context. While the culture around us is changing at breakneck speeds, child discipleship is timeless, constant, sure, and fruitful. As churches and parents seek to navigate this new world we are living in, the Child Discipleship Forum is a gathering where we can come together in unity. What do all churches have in common? Our kids. Our children are the fearless future of the church. You are not going to want to miss this Child Discipleship Forum. It's rooted in the gospel, packed with cultural insight, validated by research, and filled with hope for the future. Whether you join us in Nashville or online this September 22nd and 23rd, you'll experience community and belonging as you connect with like-minded leaders in this critical conversation on Child Discipleship. Secure your seat on com by August 25th to save $50 off the regular price. We'll see you at the forum.
1: People don't just change from hearing a good sermon or from hearing you know, good content. They change uh, by being in relationship with other Christians who really believe this, who really, who really live this out. Um, there was, there was a, an old documentary or a relatively new documentary about, uh, Mr. Rogers, who says, you know, so we're loved into loving, you know, and, and we're, we're sort of, we're shaped into the kinds of Christians that we are by being in and around other Christians whose lives of generosity and sacrifice, and really believing in, in the reality of Jesus in their lives, um, rubs off on us. It, it, it shapes our, 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 uh, our limbic system or spiritual limbic system, mm-hmm. And, um, if we look square in the face at the facts, we have not done what God has called us to do. We haven't, it's not for lack of trying, but Jesus says that it would be better for a millstone to be put around our necks to raise the stakes a bit, uh, than to mislead, you know, some of these. And what if that's actually structural, not just con- like the con not actually would teach heresy, but what if there's some structural reasons why we haven't actually lived up to what God is asking us to do?
0: Yeah. Well said. One of the most encouraging uh, pieces of data, part of the statistics that we see in this study, at least according to me, is what we would articulate around here as the power of a loving, caring adult. And Matt, I would love for you to speak on this first, but this is something that we have felt for a long time and we've already seen some data to support, but this data now provides even clearer-cut evidence on how powerful an influence one loving caring adult can make in the influence of the spiritual uh, discipleship yep. of the child how have we seen that play out within the context of awana but yep. more importantly what does that mean for the broader future of the faith and some of what david was just speaking to
2: so th- this insight you're referring to is that that uh, for children who have access to at least one loving, caring adult at their church community. In addition to a parent at home, those children are flourishing in their faith far more than others. So if we look at that as a, as a chief insight, like, how do I get to that? It's like something that we want to attain and to engage in. We all have things like that in our lives that are so valuable, but we just can't seem to get to them. And so I'm going to piggyback off of some words David said a minute ago, formation, System uh, structure, you know, so we, we want to form children in the image of a resilient disciple or a thriving disciple. But but it's our systems and our structures, I think, that are preventing us from getting to these really good things that we want to. So, you know, we, we hear a lot in the, in, over the last three or four years about this whole idea of deconstructing faith. I think as Christ followers, we've got to deconstruct the systems around us. So let's talk about some of those things like like digital, like screens, they've talked about screen or being a screen nature. Uh, there's other systems of pace, pace of life, uh, sports and extracurricular activities. We, we could list a lot of things that we need to think about what if we deconstructed or thought about how are all of these systems, maybe you could say aggressive secularism, uh, hyper-individualization, and some, some other things, like how are all of these systems that our children are swimming in, how are all of those forming us? So if, if we maybe think more deeply, again, about that water temperature rising, it's bleaching the coral, that environment is changing, and it's forming our children in ways that are pretty significant. But there's this thing off in the distance that we, if we could just get to that, right, that's that one loving, caring adult that can make all the difference. I think if we would spend more time thinking about how that environment is changing, do de- you kind of deconstructing some of these other systems, it would give us that kind of insight that we need to say, oh boy, like if we don't, if we don't figure out how to make that relational element the one of the most important things these other systems are going to so form our children they're not going to become the young people who are going to become the leading adults in the in the future where they're going to be thriving in their faith they're going to be leading our institutions so all of that to say uh, i i think we've really got to go through that kind of a process as the church to put at the center becoming relational church communities. I think that's, that's a process I would walk through as a church leader or a parent in my church or a key volunteer. I would be figuring out how to advance that conversation.
0: It's good. David, the last question I have for you is a bit more broader within the context of just what it means to be a researcher because, and a data scientist in a bunch of words that um, I'm not smart enough to have anywhere near my titles. Um, You are someone who has made this your life's work. And one of the things that I'm curious about is when I look at that loving, caring adult statistic as an example, I immediately think about the loving, caring adults that are present in my own kid's life and how I can get more access to my kids, to more loving, caring adults, because I want more of that because now I have the data to back that up. Yeah. And I'm curious for you, how you go about applying some of this data to your own personal life only because I think it's valuable for people to hear that this is not something that just exists in a vacuum for you, that this is something that you're also figuring out how to live out each and every day.
1: Yeah. Happy to answer that question. And first of all, it's, um, you know, while the, the idea of, of social researcher and, and, you know, data data person, data science, data science person. Uh, I, I suppose those are accurate in their own way, just like any of our work. Um, you know, there's a certain expertise that just comes with the doing and, you know, there's a certain space in my brain that's, you know, pr- pretty geeky, but also, um, yeah, I grew up in a pastor's home. Always thought I'd be a pastor. I try to use the data, um, in, uh, in, in a kind of ministry, you know, like what, what does this mean for ministry and for then the lives of the people that I care about, including my own family, and, um, I think, uh, first of all, power of research is the power to really listen and hear and understand someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. And so when nearly nine out of 10 young people who have some sort of exposure to Christianity, and some of those are very light exposures, they might've only kind of been to a church a few times, or maybe there's other, other factors, but when nine out of 10 don't end up in the category of resilient disciples, again, we should st- stop and listen and Jesus himself says, if one out of a hundred were to go astray, we should stop what we're doing and go and pay attention and find that lost sheet. And we're, we're telling you in no uncertain terms that not only is there a problem, but there is a set of solutions, including developing meaningful relationships. And so for me, my, my, my kids, as I've seen some of this data on resilience, uh, both from the faith for Exiles project and children's back to George's book years ago and to this new project, uh, my kids are now um, 18, 21 and 23. So, um, I still have a, an important role, but a different role, <clears throat> but I do think, um, first I wish I could go back and, you know, and make them small again and try, try again. On. And I feel like I've yeah, screwed yeah, yeah. them up in some ways, but, but also like they're amazing young people. And, and, um, you know, we've been through some personal tragedy as a family with my wife's passing, my late wife's passing from brain cancer, but I'm so proud of them. But knowing that, that, you know, mm-hmm. even, even this notion of trying to put people around them who are, you know, that it wasn't always my doing, but, um, recognizing the importance of other Christians around them, um, you know, help me understand what this might look like. And, and, you know, some of these other things that we've learned about vocational discipleship and, you know, understanding life under the authority of scripture and, and all these, you know, important things, but, but that can be very disconnected. It's like, I sometimes, I sometimes laugh about how lucky my kids must be to have a dad who has PowerPoints that tell them exactly how they should be raised. (laughs) 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 Um, And, uh, you know, like all, uh, apparently all the answers, but none of the answers. So it's uh, it is personal for me. Um, I do think, uh, you know, God's allowed us to do some really sweet things with our kids, but, um, but also, you know, I now sort of trust them to the hands of the Lord. And I, I pray almost every day that God would just speak to them in a real and personal way. Cause in so much as we need meaningful relationships around them, um, we also believe in a real God who really speaks into the hearts of his people. And more than anything else, I just want, you know, Jesus to make himself real and known to these three amazing kids, um, and to me and, you know, to, to lead us on each day. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's more than a job for me. It's a, it's a, it's a calling. And I've also had to do some good work about those times where, you know, just growing a, a good business and, and being a good, a good leader and a good servant is as important as having the impact on the world and all the things, but just, we're just recognizing that being a good, a good dad and, and you're not going to get all these things right either. So it's a, it's a complicated set of, of things that God's asked us to do, but I love this work and we're we're so glad to be able to serve into the church. And it's been an honor to work with Awana who cares uh, as much or more about sort of the destiny of these next generation, especially kids uh, as, as we do here at Barna. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. And David, I would have asked the question of just saying, David, you're smarter than me. So, but that's not really that big of a compliment to you. So, um, <laughs> Matt, I want to leave last word to you, which is just simply to say I have made very clear that even if we haven't necessarily really dug into this book and there will be a forthcoming conversation for people to where we'll get more into the meat of this study and why I think that's valuable for folks. However, I do sincerely think that this book will this project will benefit your ministry. And one of my favorite parts about working here is if I didn't. I wouldn't be having this conversation. But Matt, you are someone who gets to have this wider perspective on how not only does this project benefit a local ministry, but how this project can benefit the broader church. So last word to you, if someone's listening and they are looking at a new children's ministry year coming up in the fall, coming up a lot sooner than they may even think, how does maybe just one thing from this study help shift what could be what the same year, year after year, the some of the same was into what could be the most fruitful year of discipleship ever.
2: Well, without getting into to the details, I know Daniel in, a, in another podcast is going to really dig into that, but I, I would, so I'm going to go micro and macro on the micro, like on a local level, I'm just thinking of the word together, like read this book together with two or three other people from your team, whether those are volunteers or high capacity parent or another staff member, read it together with people and then have discussion. Like, Hey, what stood out to you? How's it relevant to our context? how can this help us shape, you know, more fruitful discipleship ministry with children and students going forward like that. That's what I would be doing together on a local level, but let's take that same word together on more of a macro level. So what's happening nationally in the U S with this project. So this work with, with, with Barna, in Awana, we're now we're now pulling in a third partner, which is glue uh, G L O O, which is a church data organization. Uh, we're building uh, an, an assessment or an evaluation tool. So your church, as a part of a broader movement of thousands of churches, can take this assessment to evaluate how fruitful or effective is our children's ministry in these kind of three primary areas of relationships, scripture engagement, and experiences, or we call those belong, believe, become, how fruitful or how effective is your church in those three areas? So thanks to the hard work of Barna, Awana, and now Glue, that assessment is going to be available uh, beginning in late September. So if your church already uses the Glue platform, You'll have no trouble finding it. Um, if your church is not familiar with glue, uh, we're gonna figure out how to make sure you get connected. Uh, yeah, stay connected with
0: us. We'll make sure you are right, have all that you need to stay connected to the assessment.
2: Absolutely. But here, here's what I think is cool about that, Ross. So not only is each individual church going to get a dashboard that says, hey, here's kind of where we are and we can take this again in a year or two years and see if we've made any progress, right? Like that's happening locally, but together nationally, we're collecting all this data to be able to bring a report back to the church, you know, 12 months from now, 24, 36 months from now to say... Collectively, as a children's ministry movement, here's where we're seeing growth, in the or progress, or maybe more obstacles to overcome in these key areas of relationships, engaging God's word and experiences with children. I think that's pretty significant. Well said, gentlemen. Thank you both for your time. Thank you guys for watching and listening,
0: and uh, we will talk to you next week. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana.
3: Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient child disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from the conversation as well as information about other podcasts from awana the podcast is mixed edited and produced by me marlon washington and hosted by ross cochran our theme song is fresh air by christian hip-hop artist josiah williams and hits by jude you also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from the album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.